and welcome to Standard Precautions and Beyond, Conversations in Infection Prevention and Control, a podcast of the Alabama Regional Center for Infection Prevention and Control, Training and Technical Assistance, or the ARC-IPC. My name is Tessa Graham with the ARC-IPC at the University of Alabama at Birmingham's School of Public Health. And we're here today to discuss monkeypox or mpox. Since early May 2022, cases of mpox, formerly monkeypox, have been reported from countries where the disease is not endemic, including the United States, as well as several endemic countries. Most confirmed cases have a travel history of countries in Europe and North America rather than West or Central Africa, where the mpox virus is typically endemic. This is the first time that many mpox cases and clusters have been reported concurrently in non-endemic and endemic countries in a widely disparate geographical area. On February 1, 2023, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services ended the public health emergency declaration in response to the MPOX outbreak, which was first declared in August 2022. To talk with us about his work in modeling changes to the mutation of the MPOX virus, or monkeypox virus, and why monkeypox was recently renamed, is Dr. Elliot Lefkowitz. Dr. Lefkowitz is the Director of Informatics for the Center for Clinical and Translational Science here at UAB, as well as Director for Molecular and Genetic Bioinformatics Facility for the Center for AIDS Research. Dr. Lefkowitz also sits on the Executive Committee for the International Committee on the Taxonomy of Viruses. Dr. Lefkowitz, to start, I was hoping you could tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do here at UAB. I know I briefly gave you an introduction, very brief, and shared a little from your bio, but for those listening who may not have a scientific background, can you give us a little bit about your research and specifically the tools you help develop and use to analyze for patterns in viral evolution? Thank you, Tessa. Yes, I've been here at UAB for roughly 35 years now, and a lot of what I do um, that relates to monkeypox comes in my role as a professor in the Department of Microbiology. And so my group is interested in studying the genetic changes that occur over the evolution of viruses and also other microorganisms like bacteria. And so we develop computational tools, which is called the uh, area of bioinformatics. We develop computational tools to study those genetic changes, both to tell us what mechanisms are in play that cause the genetic changes to occur in the first place, and then also to help us understand what the product of those genetic changes may be in terms of the properties of the viruses. So what are you hoping to learn by studying how viruses mutate? So as we've learned um, recently from COVID-19 and the Mm -hmm. SARS-CoV-2 virus, we've learned that those mutations can have a dramatic impact on the disease and how severe the disease is and how easily the disease might be transmitted from one individual to another. So by better understanding both the mechanisms that cause those mutations to occur and by developing tools that help us understand how particular mutations may impact pathogenicity, that is the severity of disease, how those changes may impact transmissibility, how readily they're transferred from one individual to another, All of that understanding may help us better predict what's going to happen in the future and prepare for viral diseases in the future. So a lot of reasons as to why it's important then for spread and and many other reasons we look at here in public health. So for a little bit of context, on August 4th in 2022, 
they declared that public health emergency in response to the outbreak. Mm -hmm. Could a genetic change in the virus have explained that sudden outbreak or, or change in spread for the disease? So potentially, and when you see a disease pop up like this that you really haven't expected in the past, mm -hmm. um, you look at a number of different things that might give rise to that more recent outbreak. One of those is certainly genetic. So is there mm -hmm. a genetic change that caused that particular outbreak? But there are other things, too, that could cause an outbreak. It could be environmental changes. It could be changes... Um, in terms of travel, maybe, you know, some new country recently opened up um, right. to travel. It could be a change in animal behavior or animals themselves that might transmit that disease. So there are any number of factors that could come into play depending on the particular virus we're talking about and depending upon the other factors that come um, that are involved. For monkeypox, we've looked at it, we meaning the scientific community as a whole. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't look like a particular genetic change is responsible for the recent outbreak. There still could be changes to the virus that might impact on the outbreak and impact transmissibility and pathogenesis. But the changes that we see really um, don't fall within the types of changes we would expect that would cause the virus to behave differently than it has in the past. So really, I think what the current thoughts are is that the recent outbreak is due to, well, some unknown factors, but due to the way that the virus is transmitted between humans. And you said there is a chance that those mutations can occur when that virus is, is spread from human to human? Oh, yes. I mean, any virus mutates. And so as we've seen for SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, when it's spread from human to humans, that gives the opportunity for the virus to accumulate changes since all viruses mutate and SARS-CoV-2 mutates and monkeypox mutates. So there's always that opportunity. But a major difference between SARS-CoV-2 and monkeypox virus is that SARS-CoV-2 mutates much faster, perhaps up to 100 times faster than monkeypox virus does. Oh, wow. So the accumulation of mutations in monkeypox takes place over much longer periods of time, and therefore it takes longer periods of time for mutations to accumulate that might impact pathogenesis. How interesting. So there's a lot of variation between viruses and kind of what it takes and how long it takes them to mutate. Yeah. All viruses mutate, as I indicated, mm -hmm. and all viruses utilize similar mechanisms by which they mutate. So viruses may differ in terms of how fast the mutations accumulate, mm -hmm. and they also may differ in terms of the impact of those mutations. Okay. For SARS-CoV-2, we see the important mutations are in this spike protein that we all hear about. Yeah. It's the protein that attaches the virus to the host cell. Right. Helps it spread. That's right. Yeah. And also, it's where the antibodies are directed against when you get vaccinated. Gotcha. And so changes in that spike protein are key to SARS-CoV-2 and its interaction with humans and human cells. For monkeypox virus... 
It's a much larger virus that contains maybe upwards of 200 proteins. And so the changes wow. that occur in monkeypox virus can occur in multiple proteins. In fact, it may take mutations in multiple proteins before you see a pronounced change in the ability of that virus to cause disease. Okay. So the accumulation of mutations in monkeypox virus takes a longer period of time, and it's probably going to take more mutations in several genes before you see an impact. And so that process happens over decades, not over a period of months that we see for SARS-CoV-2. So is there an identifiable change in those mutations with MPOX, like that spike protein in COVID that you can see? Or like you said, because it takes a, a longer amount of time, is it harder to isolate those? It's something that's been studied a lot. Okay. And there are key proteins in monkeypox, like the protein, what's called the polymerase protein, that allows you to make new genetic material. Or there are proteins that help bind the virus to the surface of the host cells, like the spike protein mm -hmm. on um, SARS-CoV-2. So there are key proteins we can look at for distinctive changes that might change the ability of the virus to cause disease. But more frequently than not, as scientists study monkeypox virus and other similar viruses, it's the interaction of multiple proteins mm -hmm. that play a role in its ability to cause disease. And those get more and more difficult to understand. The more factors you have, that is the more genes you have in this case, mm -hmm. that play a role in the biology of the virus, the harder it is for scientists to dissect the individual genes that are involved gotcha. and therefore the individual mutations that might be involved. Okay. So it takes a lot of research and that research tends to, again, take months, years, decades to really come to firm conclusions. There's layers to it almost exactly. to, to kind of dissect through. How interesting. So with what you and other scientists have been able to tell so far about those changes, do they influence, say, how dangerous the monkeypox virus is or its effectiveness with vaccines and treatments? Is there anything we should be worried about with these mutations so far? So in terms of how dangerous um, the virus may be, again, as I indicated, we don't see that there are any genetic mutations right. in the virus that caused this specific outbreak that would okay. cause greater disease. Now, if you look back in time a bit, people may have heard that there are multiple clades of monkeypox as mm -hmm. there are multiple lineages of SARS-CoV-2. We right. call them clade 1 and clade 2. In SARS-CoV-2, we call the different lineages Omicron, Delta, Alpha, and so on. Gotcha. In monkeypox, clade 1, which preceded clade 2, and the virus we're currently dealing with is in clade 2. Clade 1 virus is slightly more pathogenic. It can cause more disease. It is also more easily transmissible from human to human. But even then, it's mild, certainly a lot milder than when we had to worry about smallpox many decades ago. But we are concerned that eventually monkeypox virus could accumulate mutations. We haven't seen that right. currently, but that is always a possibility. And that's why we try to understand its evolution and look for indications that that might be happening. Now, you mentioned vaccines. Mm -hmm. 
Luckily for monkeypox and all related viruses, the vaccine is highly efficacious. That is, it, it, it is very good at preventing infection because we used it to wipe out smallpox from the world. Okay. So it's the exact same, or it's a variation of that vaccine that was used to wipe out smallpox. And if it wasn't good at doing, doing its job, then we wouldn't have been able to wipe out smallpox. Right. So it works against all of these related viruses. And you can't have a single mutation in the virus that would prevent the vaccine from working because it's a very different vaccine than for SARS-CoV-2. For SARS-CoV-2, the vaccine is only directed at a single protein, the spike protein. Gotcha. But the vaccine that's used against monkeypox and other related viruses is really a small, relatively non-pathogenic virus itself. And so the immune response that you get in a person against the virus is to many different proteins. And okay. so you'd have to have changes throughout the whole virus's um, genetic coding sequence in order for it to begin to respond um, in a way that would allow it to overcome the vaccine. And, and that's just not going to happen. The chance of that happening is almost nothing. Gotcha. So we shouldn't expect to see a a booster every year like we see with the flu vaccine or, or like we've seen with the COVID-19 vaccine so far? No. In fact, as we've learned from the smallpox and the vaccination campaign against smallpox, the vaccine lasts for decades. Oh, wow. And so most people aren't vaccinated, you know, born after, I guess, 19, the 1980s or 90s mm-hmm. have not been vaccinated against smallpox. I certainly was vaccinated against smallpox back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And now my level of antibodies, um, that have been produced due to that vaccine probably have waned a good bit, but I still have a little bit left. So if I were to be infected with smallpox, I might get a slight disease compared to someone who wasn't vaccinated against smallpox, but it would still probably not be a serious disease. So we hear regularly in the news about the coronavirus mutating, and we're on the Omicron variant currently. And you've already told us that the mpox virus or monkeypox virus mutates much slower than the coronavirus. But one thing I kind of want to spin to a little bit is we've interchangeably used monkeypox and mpox and monkeypox virus. But most recently in the public and in the media, we've switched to that monkeypox designation to mpox. Can you tell us a little bit about the difference in mpox and the monkeypox virus? Is it just in the name or specifics? Or? So I'm going to start off with saying that names are just a reference point. Mm-hmm. So you create a name to be sure you're talking about the same thing when you're talking to someone else about whatever right. it is you're referring to. And so when we talk about names of viruses, whether it be Um, the virus that causes COVID-19 or the virus that causes what we're now calling mpox as the disease, we're talking about three different names that we can refer to. There's the name of the disease, there's the name of the virus, and then there's the taxonomic name, the formal name that scientists give to the virus. So for SARS, for COVID-19, The name of the disease is COVID-19. That's established by the World Health Organization. The name of the virus is SARS-CoV-2. That was established by the scientists who first started working with the virus and trying to understand the disease COVID-19. The name, the formal name of the species is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus. So that has a more formal name. So for monkeypox originally... The name of the disease was monkeypox. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. The name of the virus was monkeypox virus, and the name of the species is monkeypox virus. So you see a pattern there. For mm -hmm. COVID-19, we have different names for all three, the disease, the virus, and the species. For monkeypox, the names were the same. So it did make it a little bit difficult to know what someone might be specifically referring to right. when they say monkeypox. There's also a connotation in the way the term monkey can be used. It's rare. Um, it it almost is never used in a pejorative sense, in a negative sense, mm -hmm. but it can be. So there were people concerned that people might equate using the word monkey with the negative connotations that it might gotcha. have. So a lot of people petitioned the World Health Organization to at least change what they were responsible for. That is the disease name. So there was right. the suggestion then that we now use the term Mpox in place of monkeypox to refer to the disease. And that's what now has been recommended okay. by the WHO. In terms of the virus name, there's nobody that's responsible for the virus name. That's assigned by scientists when they publish about that virus in the literature, and then people cite those publications. And so changing the name of the virus is really a very difficult, if not impossible, thing. And I think most people will end up referring to it as monkeypox virus. Species names are defined by this organization I belong to mm -hmm. that determines the taxonomy of viruses. And for technical reasons, we're changing the name of every species of every virus. And right. so the name of monkeypox virus as a species will be changing in the next year, probably not to mpox though, to something else. So I guess from that, I can assume we don't see a lot of monkeypox in populations of primates? So the name monkeypox came about because it was first discovered in monkeys. In okay. fact, all of the related viruses, it's what we call pox viruses. There's a family poxviridae, um, yeah. and especially the more close related viruses we call orthopox viruses. Mm -hmm. They tend to be named by the animal in which they were first discovered. Okay. That does not mean that that animal is the natural host. That is the host where you'd normally find that virus in the wild. So even though monkeypox was first discovered in monkeys, and we call it monkeypox, its natural reservoir, the animal that normally harbors that virus, is probably some kind of rodent. And okay. so it would be rare, if any, to recognize an outbreak in monkeys. Actually, no one is normally looking for an outbreak in monkeys. But it has been found in rodents. In fact, back, I think it was around 2003, there was an outbreak of monkeypox virus in the United States. And that came from okay. the importation of exotic rodents, giant Gambian rats, from Africa into the U.S. And then it spread within the U.S. because prairie dogs became infected and they were sold as pets. So that was a way uh -huh. that monkeypox was disseminated from something similar to its more natural host, a rodent, to people in the U.S., but not through monkeys. How interesting. So there's a lot in a name. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a lot in a name. Uh, well, is there anything else you would like to share with us about either naming viruses or mpox or? The only thing I would say is is you sort of referred to um, the question of why we do this. And so my group, my lab, does what might be considered a lot of esoteric research to dissect the mechanisms of evolution and the products of that evolution. And someone can ask why. That happened, you know, back decades, 
centuries, millennia ago is, is the mm-hmm. time frame in which we're looking at. Actually, the, the virus group that we're referring to, pox viruses, probably gave rise um, to the original pox virus around 500 million years ago. But the reason we do it is the better we understand what happened in the past, the better we might be able to predict what might happen in the future and therefore come up with better ways to combat new viral diseases or outbreaks of viral diseases that were only a problem sometime in the past. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Lefkowitz. I I definitely learned a lot about MPOX and and naming viruses, and we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Tessa. I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next time for another episode from Standard Precautions and Beyond, Conversations in Infection Prevention and Control. (music) 